Hello, hello. We have come to the end of our journey into Lovecraft Country. You're listening to Lovecast Progeny, our 10th and final episode talking about HBO's Lovecraft Country. And boy, what a trip it's been. I'm Uma. I'm joined as always by Bahir and Ian. Ah, so, boys, before we start, I, I just have a question, right? If you were traveling to the middle of the jungle to fight mystical, magical monsters, why would you leave the little kid in the car? Would you not just bring her with you? Hang on, hang because on. Because I was on, just on. like, come uh, on. Hang on. Hang on. But wasn't there a flashback where you see that she was introduced to the shogun? Yeah, so but even she maybe... felt like she didn't know that at the time. I'm like, I ain't leaving you in the car reading comic books. There's no flashback where she's introduced. There she is. It's introduced there. there. Is. She's like, it's not a flashback. It's no, no, like there's a sideways. A, there was a flash. No, there was a flashback when Gia sort of does her eyeball tail thing, where, where there's a quick flash of uh, Tick and and D sort of touching the Shagath's uh, forehead. I miss that. Yeah. So they were. He was. He was <sighs> like transferring the power from, you know, himself to his cousin. Yeah. That was kind of cool. I think they left her in the car because they can't leave her anywhere else. But here, I think nowhere's safe, right? If she yeah, had left at home, she would have. Christina would have sent someone to use them because she knows they're going to try something, and she I would guess. have used it as. Um, I mean, she has a whole village. It takes a village to raise a nightmare lady. Um, she had a whole village that ready at hand, so she could have had any of them go to Chicago mm. and you know just bring along a little leverage. And you weren't kidding, Ian. It wasn't just like, you know, we reached this point and we reached this episode and the Avengers and Justice League literally get together. Everyone just shows up and gets into the car. Yeah, they all fit in the car nicely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the episode picks up like immediately. Like like they've got Diana. They've brought her back from the uh, planetarium thing and the observatory and they're on the bed and they're about to do, I guess, the spell and then they kind of get transported into this black panther-esque ancestral realm where you know letty and tick get to meet their very cool ancestors who have been plotting the demise of white people for the longest time <laughs> <laughs> i love the when they read the unbinding spell and the book just flew open and spooked yeah. everyone in the room i just that was great that was just a really good funny moment that's what i love about this show so much in that it really pays off like it gives you those moments you've been waiting for i've been waiting 10 episodes and then i i, I get that moment where Four women from different generations are standing in a circle and doing really cool shit. Yeah. And the payoff is there at every beat. Yeah. And we didn't think they'd pull it off with just two hours to go. But on the whole, this episode felt for me as something very satisfying. And uh, the article you sent us from The Hollywood Reporter makes it sound like Misha Green is thinking about a season two. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the the ancestral space is really a really cool idea. And also, it's a very nice screenwriting idea because it's a tutorial interface. They don't have to spend too long learning magic or learning the... Mm. What's the langu language of Adam, is it? Yeah. They're just able to skip past that. Um, and it was not... And they'd already figured out which streams of uh, magical teachings they were going to go into because they had their separate visions. It's like, oh, you're in, you're in Music 101 and you're in Self-Sacrifice 101 over there. I think I agree with you, Ian. It feels like a bit of a, I don't know, shortcut, but also not. It's it's a it's a really good shortcut that they use really well, right? You don't, yeah. like you said, you don't have to spend two episodes them trying to 
translate the book and pick out the pick out the spell. Nope, here it is. This is the one you need. Just read this one. This is the this is the 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 the, the hieroglyphics designs you need to draw, and it sort of just moves the story along really well. And this is the show all along, right? It's all it's been yes. all all thriller, no filler, all the way. Yep. There's no bottle episodes. There's no. You know, even when it goes off on another character, it's like it's sumptuous. It's not like we're going to keep them trapped in a single room and just try to save budget for one episode. They were aiming, they were trying to do something with every single episode and not be like, oh, now it's a Negan episode or something. Let's take let's take a breath so everybody can. No, no, you don't have time, right? If you gave us 10 episodes, even when there's a even when it feels like there's a side character story, it comes back, it pays off later. It's not a hey, let's see what Ruby's doing this time. Nope, there's a point to it. It comes back, you know, in episode seven, in episode 8, episode 9, episode 10, there's a reason for that. And also, you know, Atticus makes it a point to remind us right at the outset, right? Look what we've been through to get here. Monsters, yeah. ghosts, the magical treasure hunt, curses, the past, the future. I was like, yep, episode 3, episode 7. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> I think that was, yep. The, that was the pitch deck. That was the opening to the pitch deck, right, for getting this show made. <laughs> I kept checking my watch because... Even after they had done the Ancestral Realm thing, I was like, oh, wait, that felt like a whole episode in other shows. And it was nine minutes. But they managed to cover a lot of ground. And I thought that was some really solid writing because we got some really emotional beats between um, Letty and Tick, between Diana and Hippolyta. And Tick and his mom. And Tick and his mom. Yeah. I mean, that, that that was, I didn't go back and check, but that Tick's mom was the lady in the vision, right? From George's vision before i just uh just the the vulnerability there that he doesn't want to die and i really again just knocking it out of the park with the writing on this just on the, the dialoguing and the speechifying it's really good speeches that everyone writes it's really meaty like she yeah. talks about like walking toward what is life apart from walking towards an altar to sacrifice yourself for something more important and she also talks about like life taught me one thing is that we tell ourselves we don't we have a choice but we don't and in an awful lot of like movies and TV shows, that idea of having of choice, it's usually the other way around. It's like you all yeah. there's always a choice. And it the, but the way that she phrases it and the way she explains it is that it's not a weakness, not having you don't have a choice but to do the right thing. Yes. Like she follows it up by saying she didn't have a choice but to be with Montrose and George. Yeah. That was just again such it's so many layers. It's a it's a screenwriting lasagna. There's like all sorts of different things all the way down. Even that idea of the ancestral realm tying back into the first episode of always looking for a way out. It felt like mm. Hannah and Tick's mom and this ancestral realm being a safe space for them. That mm. they can go, mm. they can talk about, they can harness their powers and then come back into the real world and use it for some good. It's the Phoenix Force, right? Is it the is it the red room that they put into the X Men, which is that like place where all the Phoenix people meet up and kind of talk about stuff? But like when she's talking about harnessing her, she would go to sleep every night and see the rays, just flames down the side of my face, flames, flames, and then harnessing that power. It's like, oh, it's this is the Phoenix, <laughs> this is the X Men Phoenix. How did you guys feel about the Ruby storyline? I think that was the only one that I had a little bit of an issue with, or. It okay. I know it's magic and all of that stuff, so nobody really stays dead in these universes. But I felt it a bit abrupt. Mm. Yeah, I, I, think... I mean, I felt it was unfair that she dies off screen. 
That for yeah, me was but the it, big one. she has to die off screen in order for the reveal to work. And I think I, that's true. I think yeah. they've already realized. I think we should, that article, and I think I've seen some things on Twitter. I think they've already realized that having the kind of interracial, um, non-heterosexual couple have one kill the other is not great. It's the, it's a little bit like the Yahima problem that they're realizing they probably could have done something better there. Right. Mm. That. I think that article talks about uh, Misha Green saying we wanted to show that sometimes the oppressed are as bad as the oppressors. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you gotta you gotta wait a while to do that message, or it's not the best time to do it when it's when you have someone when you have the first uh, kind of I think they call it a two spirit person. Is that what they call Yahima? I think in some of yes. the process, like when you have like the first kind of major representation of that type of character, and then they just get iced straight away. So there is there is that little bit of ickiness to it, but it's again, it's for that reveal. And I, you do get that nice moment with Christina saying, for a moment there, I kind of understood the meaning of family when they were singing the song. The song bit was quite interesting. That So they're, they're doing this doo-wop number in the car and everyone's kind of singing along. And I found that quite interesting because obviously Ruby in the car isn't Ruby. It is mm. Christina in disguise. And... I guess even the messaging there with Christina posing as Ruby and singing the song in her place is quite an interesting one with regards to non-African-American people or non-black people kind of ingratiating themselves into the culture, right? Hmm. I guess there's that message as well. I mean, you can look at it in that way. She's Elvis. (laughs) Oh. Well, that's a well-known thing, right? Elvis kind yeah. of took the 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 the, black, the music of Black America and you know put a nice white face on it because he wanted immortality, and he got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, for me it felt abrupt because I wasn't. I think I didn't find it as icky because of the way the story was structured to this point. In that, by the time we got to episode ten, we also have this idea that Christina is somewhat has feelings for. Mm. Ruby, she she doesn't express them overtly, but there is some sentiment there. Um, yeah. I felt it was abrupt because I th- I felt that the character deserved. We needed. We should have seen Ruby's fight. Mm. Right, and that's maybe, what flash, I mean. maybe in flashback after the after the. But reveal, again, she's but... not dead though, right? She's isn't no, she's she dead. in a coma? She's no. Dead? You have to die before they can suck that thing out. Yeah, of Yeah, it's not a coma. It's just like she's keeping the the body alive. Comatose, right? So no, not 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 comatose. So they're not comatose. They're literally brain dead. I think they're dead. It's just right. the, the machine she has or the magical is keeping her alive. Right. And I think that was I was kind of hinted at that when it was kind of hinted at that when Ruby saw a half empty bottle and brought a full bottle. You're like, ah. Uh, mm. uh. That was the only element of the episode that I had a bit of an issue with. Uh, but otherwise, before we get to Ardem, just to go back to Dee's and Hippolyta's story. She's so mad. I, I'm, I'm glad they addressed that, right? Because yeah. I was worried that they wouldn't. But of course, that is the core of the story with D just going, you fucking left me. Mm. Yeah. Not just that you left me, but the emotion on her face when she was trying to... Exp- when she was trying to say, you left me and they killed Bobo. But she doesn't finish yeah. the yes. sentence. But it, is, it was literally the worst time in her life when she really needed her mom. And her mom was yeah. fucking around on Earth 504. So... Yeah, you can understand, and it does. And like D says, if I'd known, and says it doesn't matter if you'd known or not. The fact was, I needed you most. You weren't here, and that's emotional availability. Like it's, it's like, oh, I was busy with work. You know what I mean? And it wasn't even work. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was selfish reasons. Even though she improved herself in ways beyond interpretation, it was still selfish for her, right? Yeah, yeah. And then of course she 
takes her into the room and shows her the, shows her the magic orrery and makes her special. Well, was it the orrery? I got the idea that she's just got like Dexter's laboratory in there that she's just built under that. Like the, you know the way the house has so much space underneath it, like all the way to Chicago. There's like she just has a massive and oh, uh, somehow that upstairs lab is also goes under the house and everything. And she just has a cool lab. I felt so cheated. I thought there was going to be some kind of Frankenstein lab with giant Van der Graaff generators and bubbling pipes <laughs> and dry ice everywhere. Friend, it's episode 10. The budget's run out. <laughs> HBO were like, you have 70 million to make 10 episodes. And they're like, crap, we've got 2 million left. I can give you a bubbling noise. That's, that's, that's enough, right? Yeah. That, that, Whirring, clicking, lights, yeah. a bit of bubbling. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, as we were watching that, my wife was like, huh, sounds like she's got Doctor Who in that, office, in that room. Yeah. Pretty much. And then you've got Montrose, who doesn't do very much in this episode. He's kind of a supporting character. He gets knocked out halfway through the episode. He carries the salt. And he had a flask of whiskey. Gotta have a flask of whiskey. But his real beat only comes at the very end when he gets Tick's letter, right? I mean, and it's a powerful emotional beat, but he actually, I think, because last week was Montrose's gig. Last week was his big episode. And I think Mm. most of his storyline was resolved then. And as we kind of expected, it feels like he's a lot more on board and reasonable in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's still dying to save his family. And, you know, he resorts to like begging Letty to say, just can you convince him otherwise? Why can't the both of you just run the fuck away? Yeah. That was that, yeah. but that was his last sort of like throw of the dice, right? It's it's his last, yeah, it's his last beg of just like just go save yourselves. Um, but I think that bit in the end where after all the magic has happened, that was really sort of was it's heavy, right? Like he turns to lick to take and he goes, "Get up, boy, let's go. Yeah. We've done it. Get up, boy, let's go." Right. I was half hoping for Tick to get up, but then at the same time, I was like, no, it can't happen. Yeah, because um, he talked about the, the book. The book says you'll die. Well, the, book, the book's wrong. Like, Tick's like, it ain't wrong. He knows. It ain't but wrong. To come back yeah. to what you said, I think it's because Montrose's arc ended with the last episode. He's only, he's begging them to uh, change their mind, but going with them, yes. that's the arc that he hasn't had. He has never done that. He has never engaged. He's never kind of told people. He's never tried to convince people. He killed Yahima because... That was what he he saw as best. He's burned books. He's done the other stuff. That's all because Montrose knows best. Now it's like, I need to, uh, he's, he now finally sees Tick as the man he is and that he has his own decisions. And yeah. while we never, we never really got an ass whooping from Tick, right? He never really got, well, he, yo, he did. Sorry, I forgot that he did. Yeah. So he did get that ass whooping. So, I mean, that was part of it, but it was also like, he now sees him as his, as his, his own man, not Montrose's yeah. man, but Tick is his yes. own man. And if he makes a decision that, that Montrose disagrees with, that's his decision to make. He trusts him yeah. enough now that he's, he's, he's done that. So it is a, it's an ensemble problem. You just have too many people, too many plates to, to, to spin, I think, as it gets yeah. to the finale. But that being said, I thought they still proved to us that there were stakes in the sense that, like I said before, yeah, it's magic. Maybe everyone... It's, it's not just magic, sorry. It's magic time travel and alternate worlds so maybe nobody stays dead but at the same time you still felt emotional when tick dies or when you find out that ruby is dead there is still a pang of emotion which i think a lot of shows that you know don't do stakes very well Mm. i don't have that same feeling and a lot of it has to do with the writing and the acting 
but the thing is, you've said it twice now that in this kind of world, magical world, no one stays dead. Uh, we had Titus come back, which was not expecting. There's like, oh, let's resurrect a mm. dead guy for a few minutes just to cut some meat off him and kill him horribly all over again. That's fun. Um, killing racists who are already dead. It's the perfect crime. Um, but I think that for these characters, there is, they like Tick is Black Widow in Endgame. It, it, everything else falls apart if they bring him back. Uh, in that interview, Misha Green said that, like, no spoilers if you get him back. I think he would be... It wasn't Farscape, but it, he would be. It would be Tick from Earth five hundred two or six one six. The six one six Tick, who is the dad to uh, Miles Morales, um, he turns up or six one eight. I don't know which is the the Ultimate Universe, but I think I don't think they should. I thought I, th- I think it's yeah. one of the pillars of the show. He yeah. made a sacrifice, and that his it's sacrifice. It's got to mean something, again, right? Not only that, but like Black Widows, if they bring him back, the magic is undone. You know what I mean? Yeah, and for me, I just think that I was as I was reading that interview with Misha Green, I was like, well they could always bring it back to that, you know, ancestral realm, right? He could always be there. And, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, they don't have to show up every three minutes in an episode, but but he's available, <laughs> I guess, you know. <laughs> he's available in the world without having to undo that, that, that magic, as you guys said. Or you could borrow the ending of the book. I mean, okay, it's already significantly changed because the ending of the book is kind of... I want to say ha- I'm using the word happy in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. So uh, right. no one, none of the major players die, right? So Montrose is alive, um, Tick is alive, um, George is alive, and okay, they and and there's no Diana. There's uh, Horace, who's George's son. It's a guy, right? And mm-hmm. at the end of the book, all four of them kind of set off on the road again to rewrite or write a new version of the Green Book, right? Okay, and that's how the book kind of ends. But I think the going off on a road trip again feels like a good place to probably kickstart season two in that sense. Because that way you don't have to bring back Tick from the dead, right? Mm. Because his Mm. story is done. I mean, Jonathan Majors is obviously going to be huge because he's in like the next Ant-Man movie and all of that stuff. So, I mean, uh, star casting aside, I think you can actually tell a really significant story because you want to progress the story from Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, that, that that key moment in this episode when Letty is just like, after Christina's down and she's like, white people got no magic no more. I mean, like, fuck uh, yeah. That's it, yeah. That, that, that is the whole payoff to this, which is just like, I laughed. It was just through my here. head back and laughed there. It was so audacious. And it's like, that makes so much sense. It's like, mm. they're it's a great tie-up to the series, you know, from earlier on. It's like everything else that white people got and now they got magic as well. And to have the series, like, knock out one of those... It's an imagined pillar. It's a it's a pyrrhic victory yeah. in many ways, it, uh, unless it's all true. Um, but it's a great like balance. It's not balancing the scales in no way, shape, or form. But it's a moral victory in a way. It mm. is, but also it's a it's such a clever play on the magical Negro thing. Yeah, which is mm. and also I mean I mean they're just gonna put a picture now in, of Tick in the diary in the dictionary going forward where it's under sacrificial Negro. See Tick. Uh, magical Negro also see Tick. They're like they're yeah. the same. <laughs> he manages to do it all, but it doesn't benefit a benefit a white person, which is the main thing. Yes, yeah. correct. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That whole that whole thing, you know, Christina. Again, despite throwing herself in the river, I guess you get a payoff to that when she says, "This isn't generational hate. He yeah. just has to die." That yeah. is her privilege. Is just like, well, this thing I have is really important, and I'm sorry, but you have to die for it. That's like. That's not what you. That doesn't. 
that doesn't help your case in any way, shape, or form, Christina. That just proves that you are a horrible, horrible person. Correct. And also just yeah. completely selfish because she just, she's like, oh, no, I don't care about the rest of your family. I just want yeah. this immortality. Yeah. And uh, we get Gia does embrace the darkness in a nice way that, like, you know, first of all, I like when she turns up in the in the restaurant and is like, you know, would you like to die to fuck me? It's like, yeah, that's what a great, great line. What a great fuck off line. <laughs> also, also, can I can I just say the guy? No, but also the guy has to consider it for a minute. He's yes, like, he did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Nah, I think I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. But it's nice the way the reversal with Ruby and the and Christina and the fact that they don't have enough Christina meat to <laughs> break her spell. So Gia <laughs> jumps in there. But before that, we do get that nice, like there's a payoff there as well. Tick and Gia get to have a, a proper conversation that like, yeah. well, I was... A, we were both dicks, and we're, 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 but we're over it now. And and also it makes sense, right? Because now Tick actually has the experience of monsters, and he knows yeah. what it is. Right? As opposed well, the to thing him. was, he, he had the experience of monsters when he met her. He just didn't realize he was the monster. Correct. Yeah. Oh. So now he's like learned to live with monsters, and he has one in the basement of the house. Uh, it's all good. I could deal with I love that one. moment, yeah. too, when they just walk into the basement, and they hear the noise, and he just goes like, down, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought the Gia moment was really sweet and I was really worried that they were going to kill her off as well and I'm glad they mm. didn't. Yeah, mm. I thought she would disappear. I thought she would become one with the darkness, but apparently not. And, and and so which goes back to my road trip idea in the sense that, you know, Avengers on the road or Justice League on the road because you've still got all of these powerful characters um who are left behind with the potential George Jr being born as well. Um and I think that there's there's I was worried as to where they take the story. And now I'm just like, there's so many places. Um, oh, guys, question. I think I missed mm. this. I don't know. I, yeah, I think I missed this. So wait, Christina takes off um, Letty's immortality. Yep. Yeah. How does she get it back again? I don't know. They didn't actually, uh, yeah, I don't. Was it I in the flashback? Ruby, Ruby gave, gave it to her. Ruby? No, I think, I mean, the, the symbol that Christina gave her, the protection ward, which was the... The thingy, the square one-y looking one with the circle in the middle. Whereas uh-huh. when she pulled up at the end, it was the almost Ram's Head style one. Yeah, it was like a much William, bigger one, right? The one that William slash Christina oh, had. Right. So I think they just learned and put it on her. They they because because the they were different. Like so, th- that was a protection room, but also like a renewal room. Whereas the one that Christina had was semi. Like, it was intentional immortality kind of thing, right? It was it was it because she had that. As William, she had that tattoo either on her chest or on her back, right? Yeah. It was like like a ram's head kind of thing. Yeah. So I think it was that. They, they just like, they'd learned magic by that point. They didn't have to go skipping through the book looking for it. They were just like, by the way. But it's in the flashback. Yes, in because. one of the flashback scenes, there was a bit where. Ruby's mumbling something, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so but that's the, where it was. For, for me, it was just that I thought, because in the flashback, I thought the. It was Christina as Ruby mumbling it. I was I missed the the sort of location of said mumbling. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so some article said that Ruby had seen it in the base in Christina's basement, but I thought that it was in the tower where Ruby was reading it out. And we also don't know what Letty said to Ruby to make her change her mind. Right? She said, "There's something else you need to know." While they're at the graveyard. Mm. as she's walking away oh, right. and then it cuts away oh. and and then we see ruby in the basement um talking but we don't know what that something else is or i 
I don't know if I missed that as well. So, um, mm. has she yes. told us she was pregnant by that point? Yes, she did because she knows. Yeah, that was like from three episodes ago, and then Ruby was just like, "Oh, Letty, <laughs> you fool." <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then uh and then yeah what did you guys think about the final showdown in ardom i had no idea humans had that much blood in their hands yeah <laughs> it was just was like fucking rivers of blood well you know it, it it all came out of him that way he didn't get you know he didn't you can't lose that much blood and survive that's for, yeah. that's for sure also christina showing up in a white wedding dress fucking hell that's great as well <laughs> yeah and it, it changed from just being covered in blood a white dress covered in blood yes. to it's just a white it's just a red dress it's just, just now a red dress out. <laughs> yeah no but i just saw it as like you know the 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 blood sort of because the blood gets cleaned off of her face as well right when she gains her immortality so maybe that dress is immortal now i don't know <laughs> yeah i i it wasn't I mean, getting Letty out the window was a very cool shot. I was shocked about that when, like, she fell. You're like, what? No, what? Yeah. Um, And then having her turn up and take say goodbye and, like, everything happening and Gia saying I got to get up there was cool. Uh, the the last shot was a little cheesy for me after, you know, the... Um, the Michael crushing... Keaton Batman shot? <laughs> kind of. I know. I was thinking more of, I think, is it the is it the one-man Wolfpack t-shirt? Or the, the, the t-shirt you can buy with the three wolf's heads and the moon? It kind of looked like framing it like that. Um, I I missed something. I don't know. Neither of you brought it up, so I presume you missed it as well. Um, did you notice that? Um, it's in that t- the the Hollywood Reporter article that uh, the person asks whether Tick was pushed back through the portal by a woman in a hood and a metal yeah. arm. Correct. And I, I, thought I don't we, remember that. We assumed it was Beyonce. I, I it sounded familiar when I because, read it, but uh, but it, because it, it, in it this, could have been yeah. Because well, the, the, I, in the you assumed it was, it was Regina in... King from Watchmen, but could be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because because. I don't remember them saying the metal arm. I remember Tick saying that a woman hooded figure, hooded yeah. figure gave me the book and pushed me back through. I don't remember the metal arm though. Yeah. yeah, I didn't go back and watch it, but it was like something that was interesting to see whether that's something where they could go. I mean, especially um, when you when you explicitly show that D's got a metal arm after that. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose. Well, Chris, I felt it was a little weird. Uh, D being the one to kill her because mm. you know christina wasn't directly involved in the death of her father and it's not i mean the the, the Lan- lancaster cursed her so it was just like all white people magic that gave like she was she was pretty mad oh she, yeah yeah but like meanwhile in letty's case i think letty had more reason to kill her yeah yeah i was surprised they let her be i thought i, I thought it was going to be something else where they'd all just pile rocks on christina and she was immortal just leave her under there Mm. For hundreds of years, because nobody can find the secret location of Artem either. Yeah, I mean, they did they bind the county? They put salt all the way around the county, right? Oh, is that uh, what that was? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, mean, I mean, the it art, was salt, right? It, yeah, it was, it was salt. salt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I I've seen enough episodes of Supernatural to be like, don't break the salt. Yeah, you never break the salt, obviously. <laughs> uh, what is it? Salt, heat, fat, what? <laughs> <laughs> The Samin yeah. Nasrat cookbook. Hey, yeah. um, just hold your nose and shove it down. That's what you where you yeah. go. Um, so we're going to get a Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur spinoff, right? With Diana. <laughs> Literally, it's the moon at the end, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. I I I know you you're in love with this idea of the road trip movie. I mean, there's no follow up to the book, right? Nah. It's a it's the end of Biggles. It's basically 
you know, the, to be continued in your dreams and nightmares, or whatever. Correct. But if they did do another season, I think, um, what was the quote Misha Green said about it? Um, about what the show was. It was reclaiming the genre space for people of color is kind of the MO of the show. So continuing that and expanding that, even just beyond the characters we've met, is very exciting to me. I yeah. think we're at a, from what I'd like to see is we're at a spot where Stranger Things was after its first ep- season, where we considered if it had gone the anthology route. Like, I wouldn't mind an anthology in a slightly different genre and that the characters turn up in later. Yeah. Mm. Like, if it's George, but you don't know he's George because he's living in under an assumed name just in case Lancaster's goons are around or something like that. And then he has to go see his uh, uncle Montrose or granddad Montrose at some point. You're like, oh, shit, it's the same guy. But he has, like, kid adventures or something. Or... I think with um, with these metal arm, which came out of fucking nowhere for me, is like what? <laughs> okay, cool. The Erythia Blue stuff that's run through everything, the multiverse stuff, that's a massive dangling thread. But they've done Eldritch Horror now. Jump into science fiction because mm. I mean, um, when I was watching Horror Noir, the documentary on Amazon Prime, they talked about how. There were black horror movies or horror movies featuring black Americans, made by black Americans in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And in the 50s, when it came up, came along with the atomic age of science fiction, where you have The Day the Earth Stood Still and all those kind of movies, everyone's a scientist or a general. And there's no, mm. at the time, that, that Hollywood did not cast black people in those roles. So they disappeared for that time. That is a very, that is a ripe genre to pick up and the, f- the 50s would but this is the 50s right so the 50s 60s that would be a perfect time i mean the first thing that popped to my head was i want them to do uh african-american star wars but that's the 70s i don't know if you want to do a jump that long mm. um, every season can be a decade jump into the future right yeah and a decade and genre jump yeah space age with jfk only with black yeah. people um yeah. I, but i think that's the strongest thing about the show in that it has in my mind at least it has successfully reclaim that genre fiction i mean like you said i mean sure there's some ickiness with the yahima stuff uh maybe even with ruby getting killed by christina but for me it's not that ruby is the only black character who was killed yeah yeah it's that you have a wide variety of black characters all of whom do different things um the reason i wanted a sort of continuation of characters is because especially with people like hippolyta Diana and Gia, they've all been set up and we still haven't seen their full potential. Like I can see them mm, doing yeah. some pretty cool shit uh, yep. because we had to end with Montrose taking Letty in anyway. Like it's their story. Yeah. And I yeah. want to see these other characters who like spent 500 years in an alternate world. And yeah, yeah. I think that'd be that's cool. Why I, I, that's if they do a follow-up season and like there's some, some characters and maybe it's one of them, maybe it's George and his friends, some of that. And when the shit gets real, like they think they can handle it on his own, maybe because George is like, I got this because I've, magic runs in my family but when it gets really out of hand is when he gets on the blower to anti gia and anti uh, hippolyta and then in season eight we find out obama is from the same lifeline (laughs) (laughs) oh god yeah that 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 will give the alt-right guys something to write about (laughs) if they aren't already yeah magic in the white house why not i'm having trouble talking about it a little bit because i'm just it's i'm satisfied right there was a great sort of 10 episodes of tv well nine episodes of tv that culminated in a really good 10th episode uh like you said it ties up a lot of the loose stories and very much in the vein of watchmen i'm 
I'm okay if we don't get another season of this. I want to another season. They yeah. stuck the landing. They absolutely motherfucking stuck the landing. Hmm. You know, the anti Game um, of Thrones. Yeah, yes. I mean, look, like if if I'd be disappointed if the second season it's any combination of the characters sort of driving around the US and just killing white warlocks because now mm. they don't have any magic and they just want to wipe it off the world. And I'm just like, it makes it would make sense to the story, but it would be such a cop-out. It would be such yeah. an easy... It's like Misha Green giving the intern the, the show and just like, you know, here are the characters and the world I built. Just fucking run with it. But to go with what you were saying, Ian, like an Orithia Blue season two would yes. be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hippolyta and D through the multiverse or even do it like... like play into D's comic books where the last 10 minutes of every episode is D and mom traveling through the universe and the, the rest yeah. of it is G and those and then eventually the two stories combine or they're yeah. completely unrelated and uh, you the, can the, still the, 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 do genre shit because they can fly to like the Wonder Woman planet yeah. like yeah I mean like if they wanted to do a short uh, uh, a 10 episode f- series of 15 minutes each of just that 500 years that Hippolyta was in earth whatever i take that too you know like i mean you know i think it also gives the opportunity you know science fiction westerns have never really worked do you know why they haven't had enough african-americans in them that's why and they that's can make why. it work finally yeah there's so many there is so many different options the other thing though is that we've no idea really how i mean i i saw there was a tweet about the pitch deck right she pitched there was a tweet or something like that where mr green showed the the top card of the pitch deck I oh know, i didn't I see know. that okay oh i thought yeah. when you mentioned it last week but there was essentially just one one intro it was the intro was all she showed and it was like his, you know historically la, 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 this this fiction is whatever like that we want to reclaim it and stuff like that it was just a tease to everything it was after I think last episode or something like that um, but you've no idea how long that this process took to get this made and even just the, the amount of time we spent talking about the references the music choices yep. the little small still don't I'm still convinced there's something going on in the background of that scene where the music went yeah. weird I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a flub they were trying to fix Definitely something was up there. Um, or just the, the good take had an intern spilling coffee and going, Jesus! And they just wanted to put some audio over it. Um, I think that it takes a long time to do these and it would become a Game of Thrones where it would be, we're getting it in two, three years or something like that. Mm. You know what I mean? It, mm. it, it, it's mm. another thing where it's going to take a while. Like what you're saying by here about like, yeah, you could do this on ABC as a 22 episode series where it is like villain of the week or yeah. it's 16 episodes. I mean... What I think has been has there been three series of Supernatural in the time we've been talking about this? I don't know. That show's on forever. That seems to run. No, no offense to Supernatural, but it, it's I, the, the show's own creator left. It's never you know he got tired of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean for me, yeah, like at the end of this, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, would I have liked this over two seasons of fourteen episodes each? You know, and they could have just stretched it out a little bit. And I would have liked that, but I would not love it the way I love this episode, this show, right? This current iteration of just 10 episodes. Like we keep talking about, there's no filler, there's no there's no drag. Each episode, each scene is there to move the plot along. As much as I'd love more episodes of this, and they could have very much done a two-season arc with this one story, yeah. I'm glad they didn't, yeah. And that's the HBO way as well, right? Yeah. yeah. This is the HBO way as well, though. Even like Watchmen is something that they did one and done on. This is something yeah. they're doing one and done of. There was, um, I can't remember what the story was. There was something about HBO wants to get 
people to work outside their genres. They don't want a superhero or supernatural show from Joss Whedon. They're more right. interested in, say, Vince Gilligan's supernatural show or right. something like that. They want to get an, uh, even uh, they want to get people outside their their Comfort, wheelhouses yeah. to try things. And I think, I mean, it is just odd that Raised by Wolves gets renewed after three episodes. But those guys went in with a pitch for twelve or for seven seasons, I believe. Like they have. This is what we think we can do. Whereas this was, I think, we're doing this book. And if it takes off, right. we'll talk to you later because we're physically and mentally exhausted from pitching this and choosing yeah. choosing the soundtrack. The um, Actually, if you guys if you guys read one book, it's the new one on uh, the history of Game of Thrones. Uh, I just picked it up, Fire Cannon Kill a Dragon right? by James yeah. Hibbert. Yeah, I'm reading it at the moment and it's an interesting insight, not just into, you know, how Benioff and Weiss kind of strung the series together but also about hbo's kind of thought process which is what you were talking about ian like they had a stage because h uh, game of thrones was kind of green lit in that in-between period where they were switching over um ceos and usually right. you know what happens when they switch over ceos is the old guy stuff or the old lady stuff goes out the window yes. and then yeah. the new guy wants his own thing right but i think given that they don't operate in the same way as Netflix, in that they're not trying to license a hundred things a week. Um, mm. They seem to be a lot more meditative with what they want their shows to be. So with Game of Thrones, it was the first time um, anyone had done fantasy on television. Uh, in that okay. scale. Well, that's, in that scale, yeah. In that scale, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was when they first pitched the idea, it was just off Lord of the Rings, third movie, massive success. And right. George R. R. Martin didn't want to do it because everyone came to him for a movie pitch. And yeah. he was like, well, all three Lord of the Rings books are as big as one of my books. Yeah. And everyone yeah. went, oh, no, no, we'll just drop all the other characters and focus on Jon Snow. And he yeah. was like, I don't want that. Right. And the whole series is a refutation of that style of Correct. chosen one story. Correct. Jesus. Yes. And uh, what HBO did was they seemed to be the... I guess the only network that really got it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Benioff and Weiss, for all their sins, were the ones who he asked them who was Jon Snow's parents, right? And they, yeah, and they got it. Probably, judging how things went, probably guessed they, they winged just got it, it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but they went to DirecTV, uh, which, was which was trying to do original content at the point, but they weren't big enough. They went to Showtime. Mm. Um, and Showtime also passed. And eventually they landed on HBO. And it took five years for them to go from pitch to actually shooting the pilot. And so HBO feels like they spend a lot of time developing the shit hmm. mm. and also money in developing yeah. the shit, even if they don't know whether it's going to be a success or not. And I think probably the same thing goes for Lovecraft country, because I would say that it was on paper, probably a risky endeavor for them. Yeah, but it's real yeah. good. It's real good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, but you know, it doesn't, it's got no existing IP it's not like Watchmen, you know, yeah. it's completely fresh. Yeah, it's completely fresh and it's also really good in a way that like, like, because Raised by Wolves, again, okay, just two HBO shows come out at different times and like I did, I saw something on Raised by Wolves being like doing really well with the younger demographic and I'm like, but why? I mean, I appreciate <laughs> someone doing that weird stuff. I yeah. really do. But it is like, it's so weird and I, I, I just bailed on a review at this point because I, that show changes what it is so rapidly. I mean, it's at least we have 1950s Chicago American cars to kind of glom onto in uh, yeah. this. And like, and also the characters are great and the lines every week. Now I'm yeah. just like, 
the 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 lines are so good that like if we were writing weekly reviews it would just be the quotes i wouldn't even yes. say and I, it would just be all the quotes at the end say i liked it real good you know it's and you'd be doing really, it justice right yeah yeah whereas with you know i get a creak in my neck watching raised by wolves because yes it's new it's different but the whole time i'm going what what, <laughs> what? it's just yeah. It's a it's a whole load of what in a really weird different way. Okay, I'm, so then I'm happy the, HBO is doing that, and I'm yeah. I'm happy that it's not Netflix because then we would get, uh, I was going to say Ray by Wolves again. We would definitely get season two of Lovecraft Country, and then it would be cancelled, and our hearts would be broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 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 okay if, if this. Let's not say cancel if this doesn't get a second season because I think mm. as ten episodes, I think this was, I don't know about perfect, but. God damn, it was fun. And close. And also, what else? With these two things under the belt, and like, we haven't, none of us have watched the third day yet, right? No. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I tried. It's slow as fuck. Oh, really? (laughs) So there we go. So, but, but at least, hey, at least they're trying. At least they're trying trying something that's new and different and doesn't fit the box. And that is HBO changing leadership again, right? Did they? They recently did. They recently they? did because of the they they're part of the did. whole DC, yeah, the Warner buyover thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but they've been doing this, you know, like before Game of Thrones. The uh, was the wire to me. You know, they've been doing that mm, kind yes. of stuff. That is their brand. I think there was a, again the Hollywood Reporter article that was saying how would that be put at risk with a bigger merger? Saying put out more stuff on streaming. To, you know, up the up the quantity down the quality kind of thing yeah. not intentionally but that's just going to happen when you that's force people to yeah, do stuff yeah, yeah. so far they've proven that that hasn't been the case like, they've been doing this for a very long time although i keep i keep wanting to say the breaking bad was them but it wasn't right it was amc no right? it was it amc yeah. and and, and yeah. that's the thing that actually kicked them up the ass um during the game of thrones thing because they were constantly asked you dropped the ball on Mad Men. you dropped the ball on breaking bad why isn't yes. that yours right yeah hbo should not break their week-to-week format. I mean, we saw how well Absolutely. it worked for The Boys, but also yeah. Lovecraft Country, Watchmen, they all stayed within the cultural conversation for these 10 yeah. weeks. Um, yeah, yes. I mean, we, 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 off mic, uh, Bahir shared a link to someone talking, someone who said that they got kicked, that they had a disagreement that a streamer they used to work for uh, between weekly drops and the binge watch model. Yeah. And... Uh, they were t- they they were looking at analyzing Google Trends and that, but in that it was interesting in Google Trends they talked about the boys only. They did not. They must have been pitching for a job at Amazon or something like that, or they might have got left go from HBO Max because they did not include um, the Lovecraft Country in that comparison. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But from from our own perspective, that very much was the interest in that peaked every Tuesday morning, Monday night U.S. time. When they, yes. no, sorry. Sunday night, Monday morning, US time. That was peaking every week and it was yep. this nice long thing. And it has been very nice to have something like that to talk to. It makes, it puts a nice structure on time when in this time when time means nothing. Whereas other shows are like, when when we said that the Teenage Bounty Hunters was cancelled, I was like, what's that? You completely forgot that you've seen it. Right. No, but it also gives us something new all the time, right? I mean, because every episode of Lovecraft Country that dropped gave you enough material for at least another hundred think pieces you could write something about oh, for at least a podcast a podcast at least at least at least <laughs> meanwhile haunting of Bly manor for example has been out for two weeks yes it's been number one on netflix for two weeks but people have stopped talking about it i mean within the yeah. first well, people, four days, people are still talking about rahul cooley i mean well that's different <laughs> i mean he's a hard yeah. we'll continue yeah, yeah. to talk about him 
<laughs> Someone posted a link of him like saying uh, he t- he tweeted like before I was a sous chef in Paris I was a chip cafe cafe owner in the UK because I think he was in EastEnders one of his first oh, right. roles. It's great. Let's show the clip of it. So yeah, I mean, I, just the cultural discourse around these things and how fast they drop off. When I see the Netflix Twitter account like posting, um, you know, like AMVs they call them, right? Those are those music videos that people make with their with their anime stand, but they put like Evanescence on them most of the time. Yeah, right. Okay. Like Netflix are doing that for Bly Manor with the the couple, the main yeah. couple in it. Yep. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that feels weird. Like that should be in the lead up, I guess. And also, it it feels a lot of the time with the Netflix social media, it really feels like they're really trying to drag that discourse past the two or three days that the movie's out, right? They really yeah. just like, and, and Amazon just did keep that talking as well, about right? Enola Gay. Yeah, and Amazon does it as well. Um, yeah, Amazon whereas, did it very much so for the boys where that final week there was the there was just like, I think it was Vanity Fair where they had the soups and the normals dresses each other. Yep. So they had... Yep, and then Entertainment Weekly yeah, had something. and then Eric Kripke was on yeah. video most of the week talking about various aspects of it and things they didn't use and all that stuff. So, I mean, they're trying to get the long tail out of it, but it's good SEO, but the show's over, man. And I think, and I think, with 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 HBO, they don't have to. It's it's also very interesting with something like HBO because, as much as there was a, an increased conversation talkability over the ten weeks over the ten episodes. The shows are still up. You can still go to HBO Max if you're in the US. HBO Go in Malaysia. You can still pull those episodes up. So, it doesn't mean that you're not looking for the quick burn you're looking they do have a potential for long tail because when the emmys nominations come out you know hey watchmen is all on hbo go or on hbo max you can pull it up you hadn't seen it the last time you can watch it now so they've got that tail going for them very well yeah and i think that's a that's a nice model keeps a check going and then it can it can keep going it's always there to find that's yes that's the true strength of streaming is that breadth of it. The problem is, I mean, with HBO, it's going to be fine. With other networks, the problem is where stuff moves around all the time. Yeah. I mean, uh, some yeah. of the some of the stuff actually was at HBO Max. Some of the Warner stuff they launched with, they had to They remove. had to pull back out. Yeah. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. Some of the Harry Potter movies had to move somewhere else. Mm. They were under contract somewhere else. Not only that, uh, they don't even have all of the Nolan Batman movies. They don't Not, have... Yeah. Um, they've got Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises, but they don't have... Oh no, and the Dark Knight, but they don't but have the Dark Knight. Even happened with Disney Plus, right? They launched with a whole bunch of these titles, yes, and then said, "Oh, these titles will disappear for about six weeks, and then yeah. it will come back again later." So, yeah, it's yeah. sort of teething problems, I guess. Yeah. Well, teething problems, but also just licensing, licensing issues. issues from being yeah, a global I mean, company, in that, right? right? Without, you, you have yeah. all these um, long-standing, outstanding contracts that you kind of have to fulfill. Yeah. I guess we need to ask you what you thought of the series as a whole. Um, were you as impressed as us? Did you have any issues with the storytelling? Uh, tell us all about it. You know where to get us. You can contact us on GogglerMY. That's all of our social media feeds. You can also drop us an email, podcast at goggler.my. Um, it's been a long time since we've, I think, gushed about a TV series as much as this. The last time we did this was for Picard, which left us gravely disappointed. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean... I'd, I'd also like to put out there, like, give us your favorite Lovecraft episode because as these as the series has been written and run, they kind of stand alone. So do you have a favorite episode out there? I think that would be quite cool to, to listen to. 
Yeah. Is it the sexy Kumiho lady episode or is it the other That ones? was weird. <laughs> <laughs> that was or the Indiana, the Indiana Jones Indiana, episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's too many to choose from. All right, this is uh, the last and final episode of Lovecast Progeny, at least until season two. Ian Weinweier, signing out.